Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions. One Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 167 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's undedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. And we're sitting here on a, a lovely Sunday morning after uh, what, you, what you probably call a, a nice bonus point for Everton at Stamford Bridge yesterday, picking up a two all draw against Chelsea who obviously had, had turned things around in terms of their form, qualified for the quarterfinal of the Champions League, uh, won the last two league games as well. So it was a it was a big performance. It was a big point. I'd like to say we've been joined by by Max Carlisle uh, for, for this week's show. Lee's off in Turkey, as we said last week, playing a little bit of a bit of golf or, or trying to hang up those fairways from what I've uh, what I've been told. But great to have Max on the show. Max, I'll I'll, I'll come to you first. We were just saying before we recorded there how big a point that was in terms of looking at those fixtures and thinking where we can pick up points. Mm-hmm. So how impressed were you to see Everton come back not once but twice against a, a quality Chelsea side? Yes, th- definitely. I was, I was very impressed, as we were saying uh, off-air, that uh, under Sean Dyche's predecessors, um, you maybe wouldn't have expected Everton to have reacted uh, in the same way in terms of going 1-0 down and then 2-1 down. So the fact they had that mentality to to take the chances when they came uh, and still be so efficient at set pieces as they have been under Sean Dyche was was massively impressive. And and just to add to, to what you were saying, I think the importance of picking up something from Stamford Bridge were, was, you know, made even the more important by Leeds' result uh, at Wolves, um, picking up those three points, I think, had Everton in, in 17th before kick-off at Chelsea. So, um, as we know, it's, it, it's very tight around the bottom end of the table from you know the relegation zone up to around 12th place. Uh, there's a matter of points in it. So, uh, as you say, make, picking, up the, picking up those points where you can, especially against the Chelsea side, as you say, uh, who are also going through, by their own standards, a transition period, uh, but shown... Uh, over the course of that game yesterday, that they still are a top top side. Indeed, and you know history suggests you know we haven't won there since 1994. Yeah, so, Joe Royal, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, was a poor Rado's had a great uh, outside of the foot cross from Anders Limpar to poor Rado to head the ball in, and it's been a long time. And we you know how many years have we gone at other grounds at those top sides where we we haven't performed, we haven't picked up 
a win or, or, or even points. You know, we, we, we have struggled. And yesterday was, I think, some, some of us might have thought there was a bit of a chance because obviously Chelsea sitting mid-table. It's not Chelsea of, of uh, Jose Mourinho's tenure, should we say. And, you know, they're, they're sitting not up rooting any kind of trees. But they, they have turned the corner. Like I say, they've qualified for the quarterfinals of the Champions League. For me, you know, the individuals they've got on paper, they, they should be in the top four in the Premier League. It's because they've signed so many players in such a short period of time to try and get those those players to, to bed in and become a team. That's a difficult job for, for any mind yet, let alone, you know, Graham Potter, who's coming this season from, from Brighton. And, you know, he hasn't got that, that top, top level experience. So it's going to take time for them. And I fully expect next season, you know, have a bit more of a settled transfer window in the summer, but they, they will kick on because there's some quality players there. But it was still, you know, you come away feeling fantastic to, to get a point. One, because it was a, a last-minute equaliser, uh, and two, because you come back twice against a, a good side. But but Pete picked things up in the first half. You know, all the action was in the second half, wasn't it? You know, it was uh, half-time was nil-nil. Everton didn't offer a great deal. In an attacking sense, you'd say in the first half, we were resolute defensively, defended okay. Chelsea had a couple of chances, nothing nothing major. Um, but nil nil at half time, you know, you, you were expecting Chelsea to come on stronger in the second half. Really. But the, the first half was sort of typically what you'd expect, I'd say, under Sean Dice going away to these kind of places. Yeah, definitely. Try and stay in the game, first and foremost. I mean, I, I think I um, I popped a little message in our group, didn't I, to say first 20 minutes were horrible. I thought Chelsea started so well. You know, I was, I was really impressed with with Chelsea tactically because, you know, Sean Dyche classically d- tries to defend narrow, doesn't he? Tries to defend the, the kind of the six-yard box where, you know, I think statistically it's, it's the area where we're going to face lots of shots and tries to set up that low block. And if, if you watch the game and um, if you watch the highlights, Chelsea tried to st- start a lot of their attacking moves by switching the play with the first pass. So the, f- the first pass would often be that, that kind of long diagonal behind Seamus Coleman. And then they'd look to switch it qu- quickly again. And I thought it was so clever because what they were trying to do is, is disrupt us. Because if you, if you say, if you look at the likes of Arsenal, who would try and play through the lines a bit more gradually... By the by, the time they would get to the eighteen-yard box, we'd have our shape set, and if they switched the play, we would kind of quickly shift the over and, um, and and get back in that shape again. So it's really effective. So I I, I was really worried in that first twenty minutes. I thought you know it could be two or three here, um, but then the, the last fifteen minutes of the first half, I thought we really slowed the game down. And you started to have a little belief, really, because I thought, we, can we look a lot more comfortable now? We really struggled to get out for the, for the first 20 minutes. I'm sure we'll come on to it in a, in a little bit. But for me, one of the big concerns was we, we just gave the ball away so many times, you know, about five or six times in that game, at least. Um, you know, really key passes in, um, you know, just bad positions to give the ball away like, and get, like, give the ball away directly. It wasn't that we were kind of making errors or we were trying to play a pass that didn't come off. We were kind of directly giving the ball back to Chelsea and they were running at us. Um, and I, I think maybe if, if they were a little bit more clinical, they, they, they could have got away. But uh, absolute credit to us that we, we stayed in that game and despite going you know behind twice, especially with the disappointment of the penalty, uh, you, you know that we, we came back twice and got something from the game, which yeah, it's a big surprise at a place like Stamford Bridge. And hopefully it will give us... Uh, a lot of belief. 
I think you're right. I think we were we were sloppy, weren't we? There was quite a few times in that first half giving that ball away, even on the halfway line. Like you say, it wasn't that we were, we were trying to do something particularly special or, or play a, a forward ball to the migrate down the channel. It was giving the ball away inside and and, and making we, we always how many times when we're discussing the game during the game that we mention the word decisions and Evan just don't make the right decision. And those first 20 minutes, especially, we didn't. And like you say, Chelsea started strongly. Um, but Everton just didn't start. They just didn't look like they wanted to to, to attack. And obviously, we know with the migraine up front on his own, if you're going to go long, especially against you know the centre half that they had at their disposal, you know Koulibaly's massive, Fafana is, is, is a big lad. If you're going to play the ball long, then you're not going to pick. You know the migraine won't win any kind of headers. Um, so you've got to be clever. You've got to be smart. And it wasn't until I didn't think the final sort of ten minutes. Everton creeped into that first half when we had that that bit of a break, didn't we? Where um, Dwight McNeil, great feet, got away from one, and he went to shift it like he did against Brentford uh, onto onto his left foot, and he got he got that touch wrong with Gray coming outside him, and I think it was Kudabari who, who nipped in and it went out in the end for it through a goal kick, won that free kick that that Gray uh, pinged into into Pierce's uh, face, and it was just one of those where you just thought, you know, it, it was better, it was better, but we need to see. We need to see more of it. But Max, were you were you concerned like Pete was? Obviously, you mentioned they had the strong start that um, that Chelsea made to the game. Did, did you think it was almost inevitable at some point that the goal was going to come? Yeah, most certainly, especially when you were seeing the what the likes of Joao Felix and uh, ben, ben Chilwell, Christian Pulisic, what they were threatening to do on the ball. There was a phase of play at some point in the first half where I think it was it started off between Enzo Fernandez and, and Felix where they were popping off one-touch passes um, where you just think, as, as, as feeding into me point before, in terms of the individuals in that Chelsea side, they're, they're highly, highly talented lads. Um, and I, I, as you say, Mike, and I don't think you're wrong in stating that, Sean Dyche did effectively set up to just contain Chelsea and, and try and, you know, limit the damage that they could do uh, and effectively I think once you set up a team like that from a tactical perspective um, you are almost going to be at a loss when you find yourself going forward because you've got so many numbers dedicated to to holding defensive positions um, and like you pointed out with Damari Gray being the lone man up top um, up against the physical presence of the Chelsea bat line there's only so much he can offer um, and then when you have runners like I can recall Alex Iwobi, um making runs into into the Chelsea um, into the Chelsea half of the pitch, but there's there's not that many options to pick from. Uh, and in terms of um, the pressure that we can provide and runners off the ball, um, we're just not in the Everton on in the situation that I think they would they would like to be in 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 those attacking transitions. Um, so the fact that they did take their mo- their moments when they came, um, I think they only had two corners, but from set pieces and from the corners that they did have. They were effective as usual, uh, which is, I think, is a credit to Sean Dyche. Um, and of course, I think we we need to give a huge um, pat on the back to Alice Sims getting his first goal for the club, and um, coming on in difficult circumstances, which I think he will have somewhat acclimatised himself to, given the fact that he was, you know, named as a starter for the Merseyside derby a couple of weeks back. Uh, I know that didn't go Everton's way, but. I think Ellis Sims may have seen this as, uh, and I think as we stated, Chelsea did seem to wane towards the last 15, 20 minutes in terms of how resolute Everton were. 
Um, and that's when I think obviously bringing Mikalenko was on as well, who, who played his part in the goal, giving it to Decore before Decore popped it off to to Ellis Sims, and then to uh, for Ellis Sims to effectively run in a straight line, hold off Kalidou Koulibaly, who is very very strong, uh, speak to to Sims' ability. Um, and it, I don't think it was the cleanest finish in, in the world. I think if you Kepa Arizi Balaga, you'd you'd maybe wish you'd have done better, but. Uh, you know, as an Everton fan in that away end, you, you take that all day long and you're happy to pick up the point. We, we, we most definitely are, of course, and you know, we, we're on the second half. We, we, you know, let, let's jump right in with, with all the action, really, because it, it started it started quickly. Um, and we're going to come on, to obviously, to Ellis Sims in a bit more detail because he deserves it. He deserves a limelight, of course, after, after what he did yesterday with absolutely fantastic finish, first of all, and the mentality of the kids who do it against the quality of the, the centre-half that he was up against, you know, speaks volumes. But, we, you know, Pete mentioned there the, the switching of the play. That first goal comes from Chelsea switching the ball from, from right to left, crossing. Michael Keane, Pete, could, could he do better? You know, the, the, they've hit, put the, bird, the cross over first time along the floor. Keane's flicked it away out to, to Felix, who's then... It's a great finish. You know, it's a fantastic finish. Nothing Pickford could do through the bodies as well, right in the corner. Should Michael Keane be doing better? Maybe, but for me, the goal should never happen in the first place because the move starts by us giving the ball away on on the right hand side of the pitch around about the halfway line. Where um, you know, not not going in on him, but Alex Iwobi had a really poor game yesterday, and it it was another example of several passes that. He just completely gave away to Chelsea's feet, and that allowed them to to break and run at us. Um, and then, as you said, that the, the ball comes over to the right hand side quickly, then gets switched to the left. So, I mean, you could make an argument that Michael Keane could do a little bit better, but for me, we shouldn't have been on the back foot like that. We shouldn't have been in that that position. You know, we put us in a in a position where you know the play gets switched twice. We're stretched. We're not able to kind of hold our, you know, our, our defensive shape, and I, I think it's just a case that it, it was a class finish from, um, from Jao Felix. I don't think there was anything that, that Pickford could have done. You know, Tark- Tarkovsky tries to make the block, goes through his legs, and, and he couldn't put it anymore in the corner. I think it even clips the post a little bit on its, um, on its way in, doesn't it? So, I, no, I, I, I wouldn't put Michael Keane at fault for that, for that goal. Um, uh, for anyone that watched the game on. Uh, on Sky and, and saw the, the kind of analysis after. I know that Jamie Redknapp um, sort of criticised Idrissa Gay, didn't he, saying that, you know, Idrissa Gay could have followed followed his man a little bit more. Uh, and if he was a bit closer to Felix, you know, could, could he have got a block in? Again, I, I, I don't know what you boys think. I thought that was slightly harsh, but it might just be that I'm so fixated on why did we give the ball away in the first place? You know, we, we shouldn't be making mistakes like that because for me, that that's how you concede goals against um, you know the really top teams like Chelsea. If, if you lose your shape and allow them to run at you, it's um, you, you know you're making a bad for your own back, aren't you? Yeah, of course. You, you know you, how many times do we seem to have our mistakes punished? Firstly, you know we, I know it's probably easy for us to say they haven't fans because we watch ourselves and our team every single week, so we always think that every time we make we make a mistake, or more often than not. It leads to a goal, and Everton are punished, and and we do see it. We do see it a lot, and we've seen it a lot in in recent years as well. Is what I would say is that when we are 
not on it or we, we do make a silly mistake or we make a lazy pass and, and it gets gets given away. It's little things like that. You know, even going back to, to the derby where Everton, you know, when Liverpool were countering and Everton couldn't even file them properly just to stop stop the move. Twice that happened for the, for both their goals. And it's little things like that where you just think you've got to be you've got to be smarter, but you've got to do you've got to do the simple things and make the right decision and, and Everton do get punished. But like you say, you know, it's it's a it's a good finish. Of course it is. You know, it's not, not as if it was um it was it was a, a goal that you could look to blame Pickford for. The reason that they brought a brought Keen up is because a lot of people were mentioning could Keen have done better. I just I don't know. I mean this, this communication comes into it. Can can he get a shout from Sarkowski behind him? Maybe. Um it's it's so split second decision making, isn't it? It's it's a, it happened quickly. Keane's just literally looks to defend the ball as best he can, flicked it out. It comes to, to the wrong person, if anything, because you you know, I was of everybody who you uh, you don't want the ball to fall to. It was Felix because he was he was a menace all game, and you know, first half especially, he was causing us problems. His, his ability with the ball at his feet was, was exceptional, um, and you know, technically he's a very very good footballer. So wrong person to, to fall to, but from that moment was when we saw Everton sort of come to life. Uh, like I said earlier on, we saw Everton react. We saw the manager. Make a little, make a little switch, make a little change, and uh, allow us to play a bit more on the front foot. And that's when Everton came into came into their own. We, you know, we know how good our set pieces are. I, I said to both both you and Lee um, during the game, our set pieces are absolutely exceptional. We've gone from causing no issues whatsoever on the on the front Lampard. Really, we, we were poor both defending. And attacking set pieces tip. Now, when, when we get a corner, we get a free kick in there around the box, you, you know we will create a chance more often than not. And that's exactly what happened, wasn't it? You know, yet again, great ball in um, from the our right hand side. Tarkowski sort of shoulders it, doesn't he? But gets up for the header. That man on the spot again, Max, applied the Corey in from the yeah. cold uh, under Frank Lampard. And we scored two in his last three games, two in his last two away games. He's a player. He's a player reborn, isn't he? Yeah, most definitely he is. I think, you know, we're seeing glimpses of of the type of player that was brought in under Carlo Ancelotti and the influence that he's had. And I think it, what's also played a a massive part in his re-establishment in the starting eleven is is just the, the settling down of what Sean Dice believes is his his best eleven on the pitch. Um, I know that, that it's still up for debate in terms of Michael Keane and Connor Cody, but. Just the, the rotation that that Sean Dyche has gone through over the last couple of weeks until now settling down into, you know, the four-three-three shape, or you know, depending on Everton, if they want to be defensively resilient, it, it, it's more of a, you know, a four-five-one. But for Abdallah Decore, I think I hate to to bring it up, but I remember when Rafael Benitez was was appointed at the club, that um there seemed to be an emphasis on on wanting to get Decore forward more to influence games in a in an attacking sense moving forward which we did see in glimpses and we did see in spells um but so for, for him to come back and, and rediscover that goal goal scoring touch almost i know he's not going to be a, a 10 15 goal scorer a season but you know just to get him on the score sheet is obviously massive in the situation that everton are in and and not only that i think it's the manner in which he took his goal i know we were sort of analyzing uh, Joel Felix's goal there and in, in, in the split second decision that Michael Keane had to make where it's just sort of ricocheted off him. He's he's defended the ball in. Uh it's fell to the feet of Felix and he's bent it in bent it into the bottom corner, 
Whereas I, I, I draw similarities to the, the split-second decision that Decore has got to make to attack that second ball. Uh, and I feel like that's what separates a lot of good sides, is how they react in those those almost, those almost moments of instinct. Um, and, and as we say, Everton... I, want, I heard Sean Dyche say not long ago that he hasn't placed any more emphasis on set-pieces than he usually would. And that says to me that there's something about Sean Dyche and his coaching staff and the way they approach set pieces on the training pitch that seem to have clicked a lot more with this group of players as opposed to previous managers and their coaching staff. Um, so to, to use Tarkovsky, if it was to for, as a, you know, uh, as the initial header and then for the court rate to get on that as the second ball, um, it's it's a goal that I do like, and I think we we've seen that. that the rise in occurrence of, of those going back to, I'd even say England in the 2018 World Cup with Harry Maguire as sort of like the, you know, the, the target man that drops down and it's whoever gets the second ball. Um, I think if you, if you can, it, it's almost like I'm, I'm, I'll draw back to to Sean Dyche's first game in, in charge um, against Arsenal at Goodison. You saw straight away from the set pieces in the corners, they were going back post and Tarkovsky. And it almost gets to the point where you know what's coming, but you don't know how to stop it. So I feel like if Everton can develop a trait of picking up goals from those phases of play, from set pieces, from corners, uh, first man, and then you attack the second ball, the second ball ends up as a goal. I feel like they can be really valuable, especially as we say with the games coming up. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. And I know he says, you mentioned there, but they haven't worked especially on, on set pieces. But it, it's amazing how how more efficient we are from them. I mean, a lot of credit's got to be given to both the my great and Dwight McNeil. Obviously, Dwight McNeil took the corner yesterday, which led to the to the, the Corey goal. But the, the balls that are coming in are fantastic. I think before we even equalised, the my great put a great uh, free kick, wasn't it, out wide? And Michael Keane has got a header. He just needs to brush it with his nose and it goes in. And he, and he totally missed the ball. And you saw the manager say, he's, he's got to score that. You know, it's a fantastic ball. But the point I'm making there is, is we're, we're not just putting balls in for balls. We're not just, oh, we'll, 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 put a, we'll put a corner in, you know, and, and not think about it. The players are thinking about it. And more often than not, Tarkowski is the target. We, we've seen it since Dice has come in. You know, obviously, you've got to go against Arsenal himself. He's come, he came close against, against Leeds to score him. Um, and he's the one who seems to be causing the the most or the most issues for the defensive side. And it was just it was just good yet again to see Everton cause issues from from set pieces. I know Dice did mention that set pieces. You know that was that was something that, like you say, wasn't in a great deal. It was looked at, but he said that you look at where you can score goals. And if you win in corners and free kicks around the box. It's a great chance to score goals, mm-hmm. and that, that's where there's been a little bit of emphasis. And I think sometimes, as I say, we've been a little bit nonchalant with our approach to these these kind of things. And Dice said after the Brentford game about Thomas Frank not not being precious about football, so he works on you know set pieces, long throw-ins, corners, things like that. He said they're important, and, and exactly the same for ourselves. Um, but it was just you know mentality it was spot on to get back into the game. Um, and, and you know, Decore again, it's very, very similar to the to the Forest goal in terms of he's the one who's who's reacting to that that sort of that first touch. He's, he's running through, little touch again, and and he gets his gets his reward. And it was just just nice to see. And Pete, what what are your thoughts on on Decore in terms of his his upturning in form and, and fortune under under Sean Dice? Obviously, like Max said, then the best football he's probably played for Everton has been. 
under Benitez when he was a bit more attacking, I thought, um, like Max was saying, more emphasis was on on attacking himself and playing a little bit further forward. He scored goals early, didn't he, under, under Benitez in the first part of the season. And it looks like now with this, obviously with Sean Dyche in charge, he's got a little bit more of, of this uh, this license to play a little bit further forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Dyche has really got a tune out of him, hasn't he? And I, I don't think... I don't think anyone would have expected Decore to have the impact that it, that he has, um, because you know for for a while I, I think we we were all kind of looking expect and expecting Decore to leave the club, and they they were certainly the the noises that that were coming out of the camp, and um, you know when Lampard was was manager, and I, I think also you know not to be overly critical, but when Decore did come on under Lampard, that the system and the style didn't suit him. You know he was often giving the ball away. He was receiving the ball very deep, wasn't he? And um, almost being expected to, to kind of get the play started to, to to get us going again and get us out. And it just wasn't right for him. And I think you you need to have him running with the ball in the, in the top of the pitch because he's so powerful. Um, and he's just one of those players for me that you get the best out of him when, when you just allow him to, to get his head up and go and to kind of play on instinct. Um, I think he got the assist, didn't he, as well for for Sims? Yes, certainly did. So you know when when I know Tark, I think Tarkovsky got man of the match, but for, for me it was it was the Corvey because you know he, he makes he makes both goals. He's in the right place. Um, I think sometimes the Corvey can come under a bit of criticism for you know for his passing. It was you know it's a lovely pass through. You know, for a striker, that's that's exactly what you want. You know the right pace on the ball, just just in front of him, and then. You know, we'll talk about it in a moment. Sims had a lot to do, an awful lot to do, but it, it, it set him up perfectly, really. Um, and like you know, like, like Max says, yeah, we're, we're maybe not going to get 10, 15 goals out after Corey because that's not the player he is, but he, he just gives us something else. Um, and he's so difficult to play against. You know, <laughs> I, I used to play centre-half and I, I wouldn't want Corey anywhere near me running with, running with a football. Yeah, absolute nightmare. Um, and like you were both saying about set pieces, you you, you believe now, don't you? When, when you when you watch Everton, every time we get a we get a, a set piece, you expect that we're we're going to do something positive, and that there's an expectancy that you know we're, we're really likely to get a goal here or cause problems. And I don't think we've had that for a while, but that must filter through to the players as well. You know, both, both you know for Everton as, as a team, that the players must believe now that. You know, we're really likely to score here. We can do something dangerous, and that will filter through to the opposition as well. You know, teams will not want to be giving set pieces away against us, and that that is only a good thing. Once you have that power, that kind of psychological fear factor in in something about you attacking play, it's a huge asset. So I I, I think it's fantastic, and I hope we can. I hope this becomes now kind of part of our new identity. That you know, look, you mustn't give out and free kicks away because they're going to punish you. Yeah, I think you're right. I think in terms of opposition and and their thoughts, it, it will play into their thinking. Of course, it will because we we've been so potent. How many? You know, I think we've only scored. Um, is it two goals that weren't from a set piece or three? Thinking about the Forest game. Um, no, two goals. We had two goals from that, that weren't saved from a set piece since Sean Dice has come in. You know, we so looking at that. It shows you exactly how, how good we are and how efficient we are and how dangerous we are. And, and <clears> massive credit to, to to the players taking the, the corners and free kicks and also the players who, who were causing the problems in the box as well. You know, it, it's been a massive shift. But 
talking of set pieces, obviously we, we went we went two one down, didn't we? After giving away a penalty, I know there was a few murmurings. People weren't too pleased. You know, we looked at the the Seamus Coleman incident against Forest, which was a stonewall penalty. By the way, it doesn't matter what anyone says to me. You're never going to change my mind on that. I had no complaints. I've got to be honest. I thought it was clumsy. Tarkowski, he said he thought that Godfrey was going to get the ball. Godfrey uh, thought that Tarkowski was going to get the ball. So lack of communication, you know, taking things for granted, whatever it might be. I had no complaints. I've got to be honest. If that was us, I'd be screaming for a penalty. I'd be absolutely screaming for a penalty. And obviously it was dispatched by by Havertz. And at that point, Max, obviously, like we said already, you feel Everton, we've come back once. Is, have we got it in us to come back again with, with so little time remaining? Um, the manager makes a switch. He makes a switch. Ellis Sims is brought on. I think it was at, at one point in the second half, I think before we won nil down, Mopay and Davis were, were stripped off and ready to go. We equalised. They sat down and he must have thought, right, we'll, we'll shut up shop there now. We'll go for the one-all. Went behind again. He thought, okay, he's going to bring on Mopay and and Sims gets the gets the nod, a bit more of a physical presence, that's for sure. He was winning a few things in the air, and those stay on from when he came on. And and he was causing he was causing a few issues in terms of that. But like you mentioned earlier on, and I'll come back to you on it now. It's a fantastic, fantastic touch to get away from Kudabari first of all, by the way, because it's quick, isn't it? That yeah. little that little that little touch of, that takes him straight towards goal is very quick. And that's what that's what commits a defender. The finish. I think I thought the keeper was poor. I think I think Chelsea fans will be happy with that. But listen, take nothing away from Ellis Sims. For that to be your first Premier League goal against a centre half of that calibre, you know, Champions League centre half, who's who's been fantastic for many many years. You look back at that. I've watched about fifty times now, and it it was a fantastic goal for him, wasn't it? One hundred percent. And I think you know that the the technical aspect of it aside, I think. One of the more pleasing things about Ellison Sims' first goal for the club was the fact that, from a mental perspective, he's backed himself against Koulibaly. He's effectively ran in a straight line, tested himself strength for strength, as you say, against a you know a, a tenured centre half, bounced off him uh, uh, and put it in put it in the net. I think that that is going to be huge moving forward. Um, I think going off that, especially the impact that he's had coming off the bench in in an important game. I, I can't see why, especially if we're going to factor in uh, Alex Awobi's poor form out wide, how now moving forward when after the international break, how, you know, you don't put Damari Gray back out wide and Ellison's up top. Um, it, it's huge um, for the group as well. Enough has been said about Everton's um, misfortunes up top for arguably the last two seasons now uh, with the inconsistent um, fitness of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So to have... Ellis Sims off the mark um, after, obviously, you know, he, it's not as if he's a young player anymore. He, he's 22. Uh, he, he's been around the block in terms of loan, loans. Um, did exceptionally well at youth level. Uh, you would like to think now is the time where he's going to put his stamp on first-team football uh, and get a run of games in the team. Well, that, that's exactly it now, isn't it? Like you say, he's 22. He, he's had numerous loans. And to be fair to him, everywhere he's gone on loan, he's scored a goal, hasn't he? You know, you look at Hunter Hearts, Blackpool, Sunderland. I know Sunderland fans were disappointed to see him come back. Um, I certainly had my reservations in terms of 
And it's not no slight on him because I think he still needs to, to develop and, and spend time out on loan. And he was recorded, and we've had this conversation before. Um, the expectation would have been that we get somebody in and he then gets sent back to, to Sunderland. It didn't, didn't work out that way. Um, and then people then start to pin the hopes on Ellis Sims to, to get the goals that we need to stay in the Premier League, which is unfair. Um, but, you know, we hadn't seen a great deal of him at Everton. He obviously started a Merseyside derby. Couple of substitute appearances obviously came on to decent effect against Leeds when the game was a little bit stretched. But to come on against Chelsea when you're looking for a goal, when Chelsea 2 1 up, they can shut up shop, they can see the game out. They're obviously, technically, they're the better side, so they should be able to to come on and put yourself about. But to score that kind of goal is testament to, to his mentality as a, as a footballer, as a young striker. You know, like I say, he's got pressure on his shoulders because we need someone to score, to score goals and score a goal in that in that situation last night. But Pete, it, it was it was just great to see, wasn't it? You know, it's like I said, it was a a great little touch. You mentioned earlier on Michalenko ball, little touch from from Decore, an assist for him, and then and then through goes Ellis Sims, past Kudabali, slots it past uh, past Kepa, and it gives you food for thought. Then looking ahead after the international break in terms of what the manager might do with them. And maybe, maybe does he start to start to start the games going forward as well? I loved it. <clears throat> Absolutely loved it. Honestly, I've watched that goal so, so many times just on repeat. Uh, it's a, such a, such a good goal, you know, a, a real strikers goal, you know, pro- proper number nine's goal. And I think, <clears throat> you know, when was the last time we saw Everton score, score a goal like that? You know, starting out from from outside the box, ball comes through. You know, Kulibaly. I can't say his bloody name. Kulibaly. <laughs> yeah, that's the one piece. That's so the one. That'll, I, I that'll do. That'll do. We. I, we I, I couldn't we say. Uh, I couldn't say Pusis before as well. I was struggling. I don't know why. It must be Sunday morning. But you know, see you later. Shrugs him off. You know, no, no, no respect at all. And I think when you're playing as a striker, that's that's how it should be. You've got to have that confidence, haven't you? That, you know, again, you, you can do something to hurt the opposition. Um, and even then, he's you know what he's got so much to do, hasn't he? He's got to, he's got to take another touch to set himself. And the the power he he gets on it to to get it under Kepper because obviously Kepper gets a fair bit of contact on him. And I know um, in some of the analysis he came in for a bit of criticism. You know, could he have done better? But it's it's the power he gets on the ball. And again, that's a sign of a of a decent finisher. You know, when you can slot it like that. And like you said, Mike, he's, he scored goals everywhere he's gone. We all know the, the, um, the, you know, the youth pedigree he's got. And probably in a weird way, that that's not worked against him, but it's added more pressure to him, hasn't it? Because every, everybody knows his, his goal-scoring record. And then typical, uh, you know, Everton fan base with a young player, the expectation goes through the roof then. Um, you know, we, we you know we need them to do something fantastic every every time they play. So I'm delighted for him. I thought it was it was a brilliant goal. You know, it, show, it shows a sign of his potential, doesn't it, and his pedigree. But we, we've got to protect him now, and it, it, hopefully that performance can result in him getting a little bit more trust and maybe coming into games to try and affect them and do something. I don't think we should get carried away and start, you know, calling for him to to, to start every game because I still think Damari Gray is is probably our most effective. Um, attacking option for, for that system but he gives us something else and he gives us something very very different um I, you know I, i've spoken a lot about pressure on on players to come up with goals 
in this podcast. And I think it will only help Damari Gray. It will only help Damari Gray know, knowing that he doesn't have to be the man if it's not Calvert-Lewin. You know, that, that we are a team. And I thought I thought it was great as well that... Um, who, who did Sims come on for? It was Colgan, wasn't it? Gay. Get, gay. It was Garner Gay. It was Garner Gay, yeah. yeah. You think sometimes you just switch off, don't you? And just, you just... Uh... You phase it all, but it was Gary again, yeah. But I, I remember Grace stayed on, and I thought that was really positive because I think if Dash has come and come in for a little bit of criticism, which, which for me is bizarre because I think he's, he's he's doing a fantastic job, he's doing an amazing job. When you look at the situation we were in before we came in, if he has come in for criticism, it's probably around his changes and that maybe he can be a little bit too conservative. So I, I think it's great that he you know he hauled off a defensive player, kept Gray on. Because it made us so that you know, it kept us dangerous, um, and it, you know, it, it kept us effective. So I, I think it's really, really positive. But I, yeah, I think we've got to manage him in in, in the right way. But it's such a brilliant goal, um, and I'm really, yeah, I'm really pleased for him. And tr- I'm trust for him, and hopefully, we might see more of Calvert Lewin after the international break. But it it just gives us a bit more belief in in something different, and it, you know, that that goal will. Uh, will only really help his confidence. It's, it's a footballing cliche, isn't it? Stri- you know, strikers and confidence, but it holds true when you look at the job of a of a striker. You you have to believe in yourself. Um, you know that you you can be effective, that you can score goals, that you can hurt the opposition, and just everything about that goal. Um, you know, from how he took on the centre half to how he set himself up to how he finished it. That there's so much to take from it. And, and the first goal is always the most difficult goal to, to get, especially as, as a striker with that expectation. So once you, once you get that, hopefully then it allows him to, to push on. That pressure's released a little bit as well. Like you say, options certainly gives us options, you know, off the bench. The Mike probably still a better option to start a game. If you need to change things, look for a goal, you can get him on. Calvert-Lewin, hopefully return and post-international break as well. So it gives Everton, for, for once, a few more, more attacking questions and options for the manager. Um, so fantastic. I'm d- delighted for him. Great scenes in, in the away end. Um, fa- fantastic. You know, the, when, when you're travelling away from home, especially when you've got a, a long trip like that, I think you, you go for those kind of rewards and they're the kind of games that you that you really do go uh, go for and do do appreciate. But it's a fantastic punch for Everton. Uh, it keeps us out of the relegation zone, obviously, now with, with the international break as well. Um and that's that's the really really important thing, isn't it? Is the fact that we can just kick on, and hopefully now, you know, this is this is some mind just come in. We've we certainly we certainly, I'd say, you know, stabilised is probably the best way best way to look at it. Um, the the mind here I think deserves credit since he's come in. I'm going to discuss his uh, his heart and report, so to speak, after this short break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast. And we're going to just spend a little bit of time evaluating the impact of Sean Dyche since he's since he's come in. Obviously, it's not been a long time. Uh, that Arsenal game, though, does seem like a, a lifetime ago, I've got to, I've got to be honest. Uh, but since he's come in, eight games, 11 points, uh, three, three wins, 
two draws and, and three three defeats. Um, and and obviously it's it's seen us. Yes, we're out of the relegation zone, which is which is massively important. And I think I think psychologically it's also important. So we're two points clear of West Ham. They've got a couple of games in hand as as things stand. No game this weekend because they were due to play Man City, who are in FA Cup action. Uh, but a few teams below us, as I say, we're sitting in fifteenth. And I think you know when Sean Dice came in, there was people who were all for it. There were some people who were, who were dead against it. But there was also a realisation that, listen, we are what we are and we need somebody to come in who can stabilise things, hopefully, and hopefully see us clear of the of the relegation zone. Um, Max, what are you, what are you, what's your take on Sean Dyche's first, first eight games now we come into this international break? Are you happy? Are you satisfied with, with his performance so far? Well, I think everything that's said needs to be prefaced with it's being judged against the short-term goal of staying in the Premier League. We're, we're not going to see progressive football. Well, we don't expect to see progressive football in the short term. But just as far as the impact that he's had in terms of restoring the confidence of the players, which we talk, we've talked about throughout the duration of the podcast, in that some players do seem a hell of a lot more confident than they did under Frank Lampard, uh, establishing a, a starting eleven becoming hard to beat, which I know I think Everton have shown in glimpses and then failed to maintain a, a couple of times. But you'd like to think, and it's something that Sean Dyke talks about quite quite often, is just the the process of developing that mentality. I think Pete had to hit the nail on the head, head earlier when he was talking about the mentality of expectation in terms of not only scoring goals, but on the flip side of that, being a team that has a strong and resilient defensive shape and being hard to beat. We know we're going to get we're going we're going to get that or at least try to get that under Sean Dyche and his coaching staff. And as I say, we've seen it in glimpses. It's not been a perfect record. You know, I'm not I'm not singing superlatives about his time so far at the club because he's come into a difficult situation um, with a difficult team to to deal with. You know, how many times has it said before the 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 amount of it might not be this group of players all individually, but over the over the course of time, how many managers Everton have been through uh, in terms of them not being able to find any form of consistency. So for the for the fact of the matter that it is that Sean Dyche has come in with the objective of keeping Everton in the Premier League, they now sit in 15th place. It's not ideal that other teams around us have games in hand on Everton, but in terms of the, the cards that we've been dealt, I don't think he's doing too badly. Um, but... It is what it is. No, and I think I think you, you're totally right there in terms of I think it's really important to to look at the fact that at this moment in time and what the short term goal is is to keep Everton in the Premier League. So you've got to look at it all with that in mind. Sean Dyche at this moment in time isn't looking to to build anything long term. You, you've got you've got to argue. Um, you, you, you might you might look at things differently. Um, but obviously, as, as fans, it's very much a case of it's a points business. It's a it's a game by game situation, and it's it's just picking up points as and when we can. That's why obviously that that one point against Chelsea was so important. That's why we celebrated it so much, and that that's why you know it, it means so much to us to, to pick up points like that. So I think, like you say, we've got to look at it through those eyes. Um, what he's trying, trying to do is, is, is keep the club in the, in the Premier League. And if we look at the games that he's had since he's come in, 
he's had some re- really difficult games there. You know, you look at there was two games against Arsenal. Obviously, first game under Sean Dice, we pick up the win. But a Merseyside derby that we, we weren't great in. Obviously, we, we we lost that. We lost against to Arsenal. We we lost to Villa at home. That, that's probably for me. That's the only re- real sort of blot, if you like, on the on the copy book is that that game there. I saw that as at least at least a draw. Villa not a bad side. Turn things around under under Emery, of course. But I thought. You know, we really we should have got something from that game, and up until that first goal, Everton for me were the better side anyway. And so it wasn't, you know, the the two nil scoreline didn't didn't tell the whole story. But that's the only re- real negative for me because Arsenal away, I didn't see us getting anything. Liverpool away, you know, I never see us getting anything. Um, and you know, you could argue we threw away a couple of points against Forest, but I think I think all in all, I think he's potentially exceeded expectations from. From my side, what are your thoughts, Pete? Looking at the figures that that he's had in those eight games, Arsenal twice, Liverpool, Brentford, obviously tough game, Chelsea. You know, five five of those games against against really really top opposition, and he still come away with eleven points out of those eight games. Yeah, it, it's important not to get too carried away, but I I think like Max said, you've you've got to view everything in context, haven't you? And I, I think for me, when you look, we've won. Was it three games in in twenty before he yeah, yeah. come in? So to pick up eleven points, um, it, you know, is a phenomenal achievement because you, you you can't underestimate as popular as Lampard was amongst you know the the, the players and the fans as well. Look, he, he was so well liked, wasn't he? And I think everyone just wanted him to su- succeed. And the, the last thing everybody wanted, I think, you know fans, players, owners, everybody involved with the club, the last thing everyone wanted was to kind of go through this cycle again of, you know, reinvention and bringing in a, a, a another manager that, you know, might have a very different approach to, to, to football from maybe the direction we were going in. Nobody wanted that to be the case. So I think the fact Sean Dyche has, has come into that context and help us all to reset Look, if, if if we stay up, he, he fully deserves um, a new contract. He fully deserves a, a a go at what he can do with Everton in the, in the Premier League. Um, and as the weeks go on, yeah, it's important not to get carried away. But you start to believe more and more, don't you? Um, you know, the, the fact that we can pick up points, uh, you know, against Arsenal and, and, and Chelsea. You know, we, we played Ars- Arsenal twice. Uh, you know Chelsea, Liverpool, and we, we've got four, you know, four points from um, from those games. Where, like you said, Mike, normally, especially under these circumstances, you should expect us to get absolutely nothing. Um, I agree with what you're saying about the Villa game, but I, I just thought we were really unlucky in that game. I I, I thought we were far the better team, and um, it, you know, just a few things went went against us, and there was some terrible officiating on on the day, which I don't think helped us either. Uh, in terms of like the the, the pace of the, the pace of the game and how kind of broken up it became, I think like I said earlier, he has come in for a bit of criticism around maybe some of his decision making with substitutions. Um, I, I think yesterday when I think the, the commentator said that Tom Tom Davies was getting ready to come on, I started thinking, yeah, shall I go and put the tea on? Because I just didn't see. I didn't see that change being effective in, in terms of the rest of the game. Um, so 
I was quite surprised actually that he went in a different direction and I'm hoping that shows us that you know actually he is a bit more tactically adaptable than people often give him credit for and there's probably something about personnel here that you know he, he trusts his starting 11 um, and maybe he feels that he doesn't quite have the options that he he would like available to him to to replace like for like let's say so maybe that's a personnel issue rather than a you know a tactics issue or um you know his ability to be able to use the squad but i would say he's massively overachieved i mean the, there's no way i would have expected us to one play as well as we have in certain games and, and two to pick up the points we we have obviously you, you go into every game hoping that you're going to win it but as Evertonians, and particularly when you look at the journey that we've been on, um, I think we're incredibly realistic at the same time, aren't we, as a, <laughs> a fan base? And probably go a bit too far the other way as well. Um, and, and, you know, we, we all wind each other up a bit and, and get a bit doom and gloom. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. And, and like Max said before, you go in now to a really difficult run of fixtures, just believing that look, we, we can get something from these games. If we set up right and we do our job, we can be really competitive and uh, we can pick up points. I, th- I think belief is, is is a real real key feature of of us at this moment in time and what the manager has instilled, not only in the players, in the fans. I think and you look at Goodison Park and how, how we always sell port and Goodison Park is, and you know the, the crowd terrific against against Brentford. Um, and and I think when when the the fans when we believe that we've got. Uh, a squad of players who, or a start eleven, who, who can do a job against against the top sides, then it does give you that, that little bit of hope because with, all, with the best will in the world, I think a lot of people have written written the season off going back maybe six eight weeks ago. And like again, we're not getting ahead of ourselves here, but I think a lot of people have, have resigned resigned to the fact that there's no way ever have got no hope. Whereas what that what has instilled is hope, it is belief. I think the players are starting to believe. Um, I think certain players, you know, Dwight McNeil's probably the best example since Sean Dice has come in. His form has, has been very good. Helps working with a manager that he knows very well. We mentioned Decore already, a player who's got no game time under Frank Lampard. There was a fallen out. He comes back in uh, and now he's he starting week in, week out in that midfield. And I think when the players are all on side, when they're, they're enjoying the football, and when they believe in in terms of the fact that they can be competitive in games against sides, especially who, you know, in given our recent history, we, we haven't been. That's a big, big factor. And that's what I think the manager's done well. And he, he's very no-nonsense, isn't he? That, that's probably the best way to describe Sean Dice. It's very black and white. It's very clear. Even his press conferences, you know, sometimes you can tell when he gets a, you know, someone asks a silly question. And he just gives him a very very short answer, and and the waiting for him to expand and just doesn't just doesn't come doesn't come. He's not you know he's not he's not there for for all the, the all the thrilly bits. He's there to do his job, and, and to be fair, he, he's done done a decent a decent job so far. Difficult circumstances, like like you said, Max, in, in terms of the fact, obviously where we are in the league, the off the field issues as well between obviously board and fans that still rumble, rumbles on in the background, so that that's still there. So we've come into a situation at the club which a lot of managers would not fancy. And mm-hmm. I'm sure some managers who reproached thought, I'm not going there for, for those those exact reasons. But I think the, the mentality of him is is very, very clear in terms of, he says it time and again, 
the the minimum requirements is, is maximum effort, and that's what I think we've seen from from the players, from him, from his coaching staff, and and I think he does deserve plaudits in terms of what he's what he's done so far. But are you hopeful, Max, now for for the rest of the season, given what you've seen under Sean Dyche in those first eight games? Well, I can only go off the league table. You know what I mean. I, I can only see where Everton, how Everton are performing in terms of, of, of league position, and, and 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 be sure of my answer from that. Um, it's it's as far as an Everton perspective, it's a horrible situation to be in because you're just not fully confident, are you? Or at least I'm not. I mean, just as in terms of the decline that we've seen over the last several years in terms of going from. You know, I, I'd stretch it far back as, as to Roberto Martinez when when he came and we were European hopefuls to just slowly but surely falling down that league table. Uh, no, no effort to terms of rectify the the decline has, has been made, and Everton have just uh, have fell into the situation that they're currently in and had to call upon somebody like Sean Dyche to try and help them out of this situation. Uh, and that is not a slight in hit on him at all. That is just saying. That the, the situation requires someone as pr- like a, a pragmatist like <clears throat> Sean Dice to come in and and do what he does. Um, it's great to see, to the extent that it has, that it seems to have clicked. Um, as you say, importantly, Mike, not just with the with the players but with the fans as well, because as, as you've rightly said, the the magnitude and the size of Everton Football Club, it's pretty important to have the fans on your side because it's not pretty when they aren't, as we've seen with the likes of Benitez. Um, so it, it, in terms of keeping the fan base on side, I think Sean Dyche, to his credit, has done a great job of that as well. Been very well spoken in the media. He's been careful, as we said. He's not careless in that he doesn't give away sound bites or, um, you know, he doesn't make a fool of himself in that respect, which you know, I know I don't think we'd expect from him. Uh, but but moving forward, I guess I guess it comes down to your own individual preferences of what you'd like to see from your football club in terms of not only the football that's played, but the reputation that your football club develops. I don't necessarily want to see Everton be a all-hands-on-deck defensive unit for for the next five to ten years. I do want to see Everton sort of slowly develop and progress into becoming a progressive football side. Um, but that is, is a long way in the future. And, and again, it all just comes down to individual preferences. Um, just as I say, I think is when I look at Everton Football Club at the minute, I just see a, t- a a club that is entirely predicated on succeeding in the short term, making sure that Everton are in the Premier League by the time they move to Bramley Moor Dock is imperative, in my opinion, for a multitude of reasons, commercially being one of those as well. Um but yeah, just everything for me when I look at Everton Football Club at the moment it, it is based on that short those, that short term vision. And as I say, you know, as from an Everton fan perspective, I, I would take a fifteenth place finish. So in that respect, yeah. Yeah, we all would. We 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 all would. That's that's for sure. We'd take a seventeenth place finish um, as long as it was all done before the, the last weekend of the season because we mm. certainly couldn't deal with that. Um, that would that would be that would be unbearable. It's got to be said, especially given who we're playing last game of the season. So it's uh, yeah, it's um, it's been a as we said, it's been a fairly a fairly upbeat start to, to life for, for Sean Dyson. 
Pete, do you echo those sentiments of Max there in terms of the, the hope going forward, but also the, the understanding Everton are a very, very short-term thinking club as we, as we sit here today? Yeah, yeah, on both, both fronts, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, like I said before, I, I, I'm starting to get increasingly confident um, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, should I say this out loud? Should I say it out loud? But yeah, I'm starting to get increasingly confident that we are going to remain in the Premier League under, under Sean Dyche, given what he's done so far, because I, I think he's been the breath of fresh air that we, we've needed based on the, the situation we found ourselves in. Um, I hope we stay up. I hope he, he gets a new contract. I hope he has a, a, a go at showing us what he can do with Everton in the Premier League and um, you know he gets a couple of transfer windows because if he keeps us up he fully deserves that um, you know this is the biggest job that he's had in football it, I think there's an argument that it, it may well be the, the biggest job that he ever has in football but that might not be a bad thing for Everton you know I, I think an analysis that's often been levied at Everton is we've brought managers in who have often looked beyond Everton you know Coleman Silver Maybe even to an extent, Lampard as well. We 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 brought in ambitious managers who have seen Everton as a stepping stone. So is there an argument that in Sean Dyche we have someone that doesn't view Everton in that way, that um, understands the club? That I'm not not going to make parallels between Everton and Burnley, but I think the connection Sean Dyche had with Bur- Burnley, and uh, you know, and the community there, and the way that he understood the football club is as ever Evertonians what we expect from players and managers that, that they have a certain type of relationship with Everton as a you know as, as a club as an identity so I'm yeah I'm I'm hopeful uh, I am hopeful and I, I think the future is is, is brighter than that maybe it felt when Sean Dyche came in because I think Sean Dyche has had a you know a, a particular type of reputation has seen a particular type of view and look, we've we've not seen the four four two, have we? We've we've no. seen a we've seen a very different system, and we've seen, you know, Sean Dyche set us up as a different football club. So it shows he's a no, it's not a one trick pony, and he's not going to make us another Burnley. It's it, it, you know it's different, and the future can be different. Um, so if we stay in the Premier League, we get Bramley Moore and you know completed and underway. I mean, how exciting is that? You know, and and hopefully that that can be our future as a fan base that we can start to look forward and um, you know start to progress again and start to believe and uh, you, you know be confident in our consistency in in the league uh, and, and you know get hopeful again about things like breaking into Europe and um, you know staying in cups long enough to to have a chance of winning them. It's totally right, Peter. Yeah, totally right. We we all want that. Especially all, all all eyes looking forward to to Bramley Moor. By the time we get there, by the time it opens, you'd hope that we, we have been stabilised and obviously in the very short term, that's down to Sean Sean Dyche. Um and and if he can can do what many thought was unthinkable a couple of months ago and keep us in the Premier League, then he would certainly deserve a shot at the at the the job in in a longer term and then a chance to to build a side going to to our new ground, but. So the, the main word for me is that he has brought a, brought a hope across the fan base. And that, that's, as, that's as much as we can really muster because you certainly can't get ahead of yourself. You certainly can't get overexcited because it, it's far too tight down there at this moment in time to even think that, you know, we're, we're OK. Because we're, we're most definitely not. 
you know, most sides have games in hand around us. Uh, we're two points clear of the relegation zone as we, as we speak today. But what we've seen since he's come in is he's been effective at picking up points. We've been competitive in the vast majority of games. The only game I probably argued that we weren't was the Merseyside there because Arsenal for the first 40 minutes, we were the better side and it just it fell apart. But um, a lot of work has been done, a lot of work to be done. But all in all, I think he, as I say, he's brought that hope uh, across the across the fan base and that belief uh, within within the playing staff. But that, that's us for this week. Uh, good way to round off. Obviously, a, a nice nice positive show today after a, a great performance and a great point against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Max, appreciate you taking some time out yet again on a on a Sunday morning. Thanks as always, gents. Pleasure to speak with you. Pleasure's all ours, mate, and, and we will be back ourselves. A little bit of a break now, obviously. International football kicks in. We probably need it. We all need it, don't we? Just to uh, take our eyes off the Premier League table and that pressure for a couple of weeks. And we back ourselves to look back on the on the Spurs game, which is our next game at Goodison Park, Monday Night Football. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.